welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Kaylee Barber, media editor at Digiday. And I'm Tim Peterson, senior media editor at Digiday. All right, so Tim, you had the conversation this week, and you spoke with Travis Montague, who is the CEO and co-founder of Group Black. They launched in 2021, so I'm curious about how their first year has gone and how many advertisers they've been able to sign on. Yeah, so for anyone listening who's not familiar with Group Black, they describe themselves as a media collective and accelerator, which is a term that like Travis and I opened the conversation by asking him to kind of explain what all that means because Group Black, um, so they launched and their aim is to help Black-owned media businesses build up their businesses. And so they got, um, like at launch, they got Group M to commit to spend, I believe it was $75 million with Black-owned media companies. Um, and since then, they've gotten other advertisers like P&G to commit to. And I believe Travis says in the conversation that they've gotten uh, $500 million worth of commitments or more than $500 million worth of commitments from advertisers. So they're becoming a pretty big player in the uh, media business um, while still being just a little over or about a year and a half old at this point. Yeah, very fast growth there. Um, but I also have heard that they're kind of interested in maybe pursuing an acquisition of a media company. Did you guys talk at all about those ambitions? Yeah, so the Wall Street Journal and Axios have both reported this year that uh, Group Black has been in acquisition talks with BDG, Vice Media Group, and Vox Media. So I do ask Travis about that, and we probably spend a more time. Um, I probably spend more time asking about that than Travis would have liked, but uh, he was a good sport about it. So that's, uh, I won't spoil what he has to say, but we do get into that in the conversation. Definitely something to listen for. I know I will be. I'll let you guys get into it. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Caleb. Travis Montague, welcome to the Digiday Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Tim, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Group Black initially popped up on my radar June 2021. Like there was the big Wall Street Journal splashy story of the launch of Group Black. And I remember like reading it and, you know, Group Black being described as a media collective and accelerator for black owned media properties. And the collective and accelerator parts kind of went over my head a bit, but I, I got like, okay, the aim is to help improve the businesses of black owned media companies. And then in Group Black got agencies like Group M and eventually advertisers like P&G to invest in advertising with Black-owned publishers. Then fast forward a year and come the reports of Group Black is looking to acquire BDG and Vice Media Group and Vox Media. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, what, what is Group Black? I thought I knew what Group Black is, but now these acquisition talks and maybe Group Black's like this whole other thing. So I'll kind of start there. What is Group Black at this point, December 2022? Yeah. So if you ask me what Group Black is, it's still a media collective and accelerator focused on the advancement of Black-owned media. And I think before we get into what Group Black, like what Group Black is, we should talk about why Group Black is. And when you, when you go back to some of the real core things, why we started the business, yes, it was the conversation around the fact that there was only 0.5% of media dollars being invested in Black-owned media. But one of the things that we at the same time were really concerned about was that you know, while there was a lot of pledges being made from brands and agencies to support black owned media, we knew fundamentally that without, without 
a, a investment into the community, there wouldn't be the opportunity to actually make that man realize in a meaningful way. And so when we started Group Black, we really started Group Black to do three things. One, create access. And access has been in the form of, yes, those media, media dollars and those big partnerships that we've created. We've gotten over brands to commit over half a billion dollars uh, to spend with Black-owned media and diverse creators in our first year. And also, when we think about access, is how do we create access for Black-owned media companies into larger platforms, larger spaces, right? And so we, 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 we think about access in multiple ways. One of the features that you often see is um, that, you know, Black-owned media companies largely reach their own community, right? And that creates a situation where their market opportunity is inherently limited. And so one of the things that we are focused on is how do we in, in, enable an environment where these entrepreneurs and founders are able to distribute their stories and be a part of the broader narrative writ large. So that, that's a big part of access to us. Secondly, it's infrastructure. And so at Group Black over the last 18 months, we've been very fast at work building all of the things that a, a lot of these small businesses can't, can't, don't have. 1% of Black-owned media companies have over 10 employees, right? And when you think about that, that's, and, and, and these companies trying to work with really large brands, right? And these companies haven't, not having gotten the type of funding or access to cap funds that would have allowed them to invest and grow their infrastructure. How do you break that cycle? So yes, there's desire, but there's, there's an inability to actually drive the sell through that, that the promises kind of signal, right? And so we at Group Black have built infrastructure, everything from technology to sales infrastructure to measurement, everything in between that has enabled our collective to work with large brands in a way that they've never been able to work with before. And then lastly, there's investment. And yes, investment means capital. Um, you know, like our, 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 our group of, you know, it's three co-founders at Group Black. Um, we're not, um, investing is not new to us, right? Uh, it's investing in this community is not new to us. Uh, between the co-founders, we probably invested more in entrepreneurs in, in this particular community than VC funds. Um, and so the, Investment is 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 important and necessary. One of the things that like um, one one of my co-founders, Richard Lou, Richard Lou Dennis, says all the time is the revolution must be financed, right? And so if we want to have change, we need to make sure that we're putting in the capital to actually drive that 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 growth, right? Because you can't it, it, it it's it's not free. So investment is important, but investment means yes, put investment into individual entrepreneurs, but also investing in scaled assets that allow us to grow the pie overall. And so some of the strategies that you, the things that are being reported on, while we don't, I, I can't, we don't talk about rumors or speculation about what we're actually doing, I have said in the past that we are actively in market looking at scaled assets um, to acquire for the purpose of creating larger infrastructure for our collective to be able to grow their business. That growth means scale distribution and other assets that 
will enable us to accelerate the, the reach and scale of black owned media overall. So the reason why it, it, it's interesting, a lot of people look at us and say, wow, Group Black, you guys are doing a lot of things. Well, the job was big, right? It was just a lot <laughs> of things to do. And it's funny when I, you know, it's funny when I actually started, um, I, you know, it actually shocked me how big it was. Cause I, you know, initially I was like, okay, well, you know, we're just, the problem is access. It's almost actually, actually, I realized the, 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 the problems in the way I just articulated. So at first I was like, okay, we got to create access, right? So we need to enable the dollars. And then we did that, right? And we did our first deal, 75 million. It was our first deal at Group Black, what we did with Group M. And then I was like, okay, great, let's go. And then I realized like, whoa, everybody needs like infrastructure to deliver on that. On that. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so I was like, infrastructure is the next thing. And then I was like, whoa, okay, everybody needs investment in, in all these different ways. And so it's been a real journey. It's been an exciting journey. But our, our work here um, actually has put us in a lead position in the conversation because of the, how aggressively we've kind of tackled the problem. And we've done it with partners in the industry that is supporting our, our cause. I want to go through like those three pillars, but kind of in reverse, because that investment piece as you kind of you know laid out, it's like the the latest piece to it, um, and it's also the the piece that seems like speaks to the evolution of Group Black. So, investing in acquiring distributed assets, like you all have member companies, and like you know some of them, you know you technically own like Holler. You also run Holler. You had Holler before Group Black. That's a member company of Group Black. But then there's like essence the shade room which aren't owned by group black now you're in talks to acquire publishers acquire media companies why is that necessary so in my journey uh as one of the co-founders and ceo of group black we i've talked to hundreds of kind of black owned media companies and creators etc and what it's really boiled down to is that they all need the same three things they need scaled content production, right? They need more content to create more content. They need media and entertainment distribution. They need reach and distribution. They need more eyeballs, right? And they need technology, right? And the good news is that if everybody needed something different, then it would be a very hard problem to fix. But in this particular circumstance, people need generally speaking the same thing. And if they get access to those things, then they could develop larger programs. They could work on bigger initiatives and they could drive a sustainable career, a sustainable, a more sustainable business because they're able to execute at a different scale. And so one of the things that we quickly learned is that we need to make it our priority to provide those things and to provide those things with, with, haste so to speak and so what everything that we do from an investment perspective anything if we're 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 anything we look at to invest in it the overall thesis is how does that provide the types of need service the needs of the collective and how does that allow us to serve them in a bigger way right we could provide the infrastructure we could provide we you know we could provide sales infrastructure we could provide measurement we could provide that 
but we need to continue to be able to provide, satisfy more of those needs as we go. And our investment, our investment activities is what addresses that. So is the idea if Group Black owns BDG or Vice or Vox Media, then Vox Media's or BDG's or Vice's content can be syndicated across the member companies within Group Black and vice versa, the member company's content can also be syndicated across like how would that actually work, like the mechanics of it? Look, so so say so say if we 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 own Condé Nast, right, for a second, right? And Condé Nast has some scaled distribution, scaled audiences, and speaks to in uh, fashion and beauty and lifestyle and all these different places. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, black-owned media companies and diverse creators that could be a, a meaningful part and a powerful part of that conversation, right? In that narrative, and and their content is would resonate with those audiences as well, right? Especially since. Like in various areas, fashion and sports, music, like the, the black community's influence is outsized in many ways. And so the but what the, the problem is, is that they the reach of their individual like like businesses are not in proportion to their impact that they have on culture. And so what this does is it creates a venue for these great these creators these companies to have the opportunity to be a part of a broader conversation they have scaled reach and therefore they could work on bigger programs with brands and therefore they could earn more right so that is the kind of relationship when we think about how do we create an environment where um, we're creating more opportunity and you know one of the things that um, uh, my other co-founder, Bonin, says it's one thing to be in front of the camera. It's, there's one thing to be behind the camera, but it's a different thing to own the camera. And when you own the camera, there's a different you, you have the opportunity to influence and greenlight stories and perspectives and different voices that impact what people see every single day. Right. And that's and that's what we believe is critical as we continue to advance on our mission to create to, to dramatically transform the face of media ownership and investment. That's why, that's why we're doing the things that you do. So it's, um, it's funny, like group black, uh, is, you know, it's interesting. I always say group black is an idea versus just being just about black. It maps up to this bigger concept we call the inclusion age, which it's the world we're fighting for. It's a world where we don't have to have these conversations anymore. It's, it's where everyone is included, right? Black, white, any other person of color, LGBTQ+, men, women, every single one is included. And what we, the work that we're doing at Group Black is breaking, kind of kicking open that door. Yeah, I mean, I've heard you talk, I forget which podcast interview it was that you did. It might have been the one with Michael Casson from MediaLink, but you talked about Black-owned doesn't mean Black-targeted. And it seems like this all fits in that. It also, like... Kind of the the vision I have it in my mind is if it group black owns one of these media companies, then it's like a flagship in this armada that you're putting together. Yeah, and you know I, I'll tell you another story. My co-founder, uh, you know, he 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 invested in my first company, and I, I've always looked up and admired the way he does business, uh, Rich Dennis. So he 
started uh, Sundial Brands, which had iconic brands like Shea Moisture. And Shea Moisture was the largest uh, natural beauty brand in, 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 the, in the U.S. And, and, and which he eventually sold to Unilever. Now, what, one of the aspects that made Shea Moisture so successful is because, you know, when he brought his products as a black founder, they wanted him to put it only in the multicultural section of the aisle. Right. Well, what pe- a lot of people don't know is the multicultural section of the aisle used to be the colored section in the aisle. Right. And therefore, if you, your products only exist in that section of the aisle, then you're not your, your, your market opportunity is limited. So all of the brands that were in that section of the aisle are were inherently from the system worse off than the products that were on the main shelf. That's the same thing we're saying here with media. If we create an environment where black entrepreneurs are only unable to create content for black audiences, then we're inherently limiting their market opportunity. Just like those products on the aisle, uh, the products in the aisle were good for anyone with curly hair. And a lot of people, not just black people have curly hair. Content created by black creators and black owned media companies have broad base appeal and so we need to make sure that we're creating an environment where every like the 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 playing field is level and so when we think about how we solve problems at group black we get that we get down to the atomic level of the problem and really think about well how are we designing things to be more equitable from the start versus perpetuating a current market circumstance that doesn't make us better off and that's what you'll see with every single action that we do Got it. Speaking of those actions, what's the status of these acquisition talks? <laughs> Tim, you don't know. You don't, I, I haven't said that there are any. I, I think it, it was either the Axios piece or the Wall Street Journal piece where you acknowledged um, that you were bringing, like talking with, I think it was CVC to invest in, um, I forget if it was like BDG specifically or vice specifically, I feel like it was BDG because BDG has been in all these stories. So, well, first of all, so as kind of a, a core policy, we don't comment on um, on rumors or speculations. I I don't comment to any type of deal dynamics of what what uh, what we might be doing or may not be doing. The only thing I do I I have said historically, and I I, I kind of will say here today is that you know we are uh, we hired. JP Morgan and Lazar to help us in our efforts a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, that's, we're, we're, we're actively out in market looking at acquisitions to make. Um, but with respect to what those may be, you know, it's interesting. I hear about stuff myself every single day that I'm looking at. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. But, um, no, we don't, we don't, we don't, we generally don't comment to anything that we're doing specifically. But when we do have something to talk about, we will. All right, I'll I'll put a note for in our podcast schedule to see if we can get you back on when you got uh, one of those deals ready to talk about. <laughs> uh, so we talked about you know that third pillar, the the investment pillar. Now let's talk about the infrastructure pillar because I mean that was something I forget. I think this was like right around the time Group Black launched, maybe even a little bit before. But seeing a story and again I don't remember if it was the Wall Street Journal or maybe Ad Age, but talking about okay. 
these advertisers, you know, agencies were setting up these private programmatic marketplaces, these multicultural marketplaces for Black-owned publishers and other underrepresented publishers to be able to get money from advertisers programmatically. And this article highlighted the fact, like, a lot of these publishers don't have the ad tech. They aren't equipped for this. They don't have the people internally who have that ad tech expertise. A lot of times they don't have the pipes necessarily set up for this. There are some like, you know, Blavity, for example, has done a lot to invest in building up its, you know, programmatic business and its programmatic pipes. But I think like largely smaller publishers, like setting aside, you know, black owned or, you know, minority owned, just smaller publishers, they don't have that infrastructure as much. So, Group Black, like what specifically have you all put in place from an infrastructure perspective that you're making available to your member companies? Yeah, so we've done a lot. Like we, so we have the Group Black Exchange. We've done partnerships with platforms like Magnite. We've worked with, um, we work with many different measurement companies to make sure that we have built out the measurement capabilities that we build. Uh, and make enable and make available to all of the brands on our platform, right? And so, you know, we've done technology partnerships and set up and built out technology infrastructure. Um, we built out like you know when you come when brands work with us, they like it, right? You have everything from brand strategy, measurement, the ops, like all the things that they're used to. And you're able to execute and activate across our collective, right? And so there's strength in numbers and from our perspective, like, you know, you could work, for example, you know, if you want to work, uh, come do something with Group Black. Well, like, for example, we announced our Hip Hop 50 program a couple months ago. That program, you could come to Group Black to activate around Hip Hop 50, but you're working with all of the top brands around Hip Hop 50. Mass Appeal, Rock the Bells, All Hip Hop, The Fader, right? Like you're able to work with folks as part of our collective in a scaled way and get mass impact. And then we built the infrastructure for you to measure success along the way. That's the group black magic, right? It's enable, we, we, what, are, what, we're, what we've been doing uh, since our inception is building the, removing the barriers, right? Removing the excuses, right? Like I can't work because it's they're too small or they don't have this or, you know, it's, it's none of those things exist, right? They're, they're, none of those kind of um, uh, inhibitors are valid to, to these days. And we worked really hard to make sure that that was the case. So, you know, it's, if I say prior, yes, that is true. I, I, you know, make no mistake. I've talked to a lot of people on the brand and agency side to understand what is it that is making it very difficult to um, work or spend or increase spend in the space. And we heard those stories. But the good thing about the way that brands work with us, we have a very collaborative approach, right? I feel like, um, I'm on a lot of folks speed dial, like a lot of CMOs speed <laughs> dial. And, um, you know, a lot of them are on mine. So, you know, for the partners that we've been working with, I think we have a really good relationship. Group Black has had a very collaborative approach at problem solving. And that has enabled us to be have very honest conversations and move the ball down the field. Now, did, are, we at, are we across the finish line yet? No. 
we do need to see more spend. There's not enough spend happening today. There's not nearly enough spend um, that uh, is warranted. But, you know, what we are, I mean, that's why we're here. And that's why we keep, keep the kind of conversation uh, going and making sure that we are recruiting more allies along the way. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. I want to get back to that spend, especially the challenges with the spend. Um, but before we do, I want to stay on the infrastructure because I'm a nerd for infrastructure stuff. You mentioned there's a group lack exchange. So so you all have your own ad tech stack, like your own, basically your own double click. Yes, we do. We, we, we've invested in putting our own stack together that allows brands to buy um, through our infrastructure, like buy directly through our the group black exchange to our kind of network. I mean, that seems really notable, especially like considering like the third party cookie. But we don't have to go super deep in the third party cookie because it is towards the end of 2022 and I'm cookied out a little bit. <laughs> but it feels like that's going to be an important thing when it comes to assuming Google sticks to this timeline of 2024, third party cookie goes away. Like that affects all publishers in all kinds of manner but you know it's like okay who do you you know rely on then for your ad tech stacks and i don't think there's enough competition on the ad tech front so like how are you all kind of setting up to be working with publishers to be supporting publishers with your ad tech stack in light of what's going on with third-party cookie the need for first-party data like all the you know usual programmatic jargon i could be throwing out right now yeah yeah so i think there's a couple things so the, the, the challenges on the programmatic side and death of the cookie and all of that, those problems are the same for us as they are for anyone, for, pub, for publishers specifically. Now, actually, I believe that, so I've been thinking about what are more modern approaches to, 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 to solve these problems, right? And how do I think about what is Group Black's role in this whole ordeal? So I look at Group Black as a platform, actually. And so, you know, what I've been, fo- and, and as part of that, and the reason why I look at it as a platform, because, you know, when we looked at that 1%, that over 10 employees, well, most of Black-owned media really falls into the space of creators, right? So, I, you know, what, it was during Brand Week, I announced my big focus on creators, um, as a part of it when I was uh, uh, on stage. This is Crater? Well, no, this was before that. That was my precursor, oh, right? Okay, got There's always a story if you follow closely enough. Um, so I spoke at Brand Week that I was, and I said that I was focused on creators. A couple weeks or a month or so later, I announced Crater, right? Crater is my first kind of step in thinking about what are platforms and new new platforms and technologies that will enable equitable opportunities for creators and then also create powerful opportunity for brands. As I think about the world going forward and how I incubate, develop technologies, invest, I do so with the mind that we're really servicing a world of creators because there's really only like a dozen really large you know, black owned media companies, right? And so we have to create an environment, an ecosystem that fosters a pipeline, right? And fosters an environment where these, you go. now that solves many different things, right? So there's the, there's the traditional, there's, there's, 
you know, there's a genre of Black-owned media companies that are publishers, right? I have to argue that a lot of creators are bigger than large media companies individually, right? And so we have to figure out what is the, yes, we built the Group Black Exchange for that genre, which is publishers and things like that. But all of the other kind of vehicles of media, we need to build infrastructure for as well. Um, I'm excited about creators. I, I, you know, I built creator because I fundamentally believe creators are the new startup. And I believe that they move culture forward every single day, but the, and their uniqueness needs to be valued. But the problem is, is that they, it's not, and that means, you know, it's not, they're not credited and they're not paid. And so we need to, we need to really solve that for creators as well. And so you'll see it, 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 we, we, everything that we do follows this kind of core thesis, which is how do we, um, like I personally, as an entrepreneur, have a thesis where I build businesses in context of my values. And, and I believe that if we create businesses that are good for people and good for the world and create opportunity for others, then we will all succeed. And that's what you're seeing with a lot of the things that that's what you're seeing with a lot of the things that we're doing across our investments or our upstarts or our actions. Speaking of that work with creators, so like Group Black's, you know, done work with creators, you have Group Black creators, and there was this partnership with Triller. And Triller had, you know, made a lot of noise about this program it, you know, set up to support Black creators. And then the Washington Post reported how Triller basically dropped the ball entirely on that program. And there are a lot of creators who are part of the program who said they weren't getting paid by Triller. Kind of a two-part question. What's the status of Group Black's relationship with Triller? And what have you taken from like that, what happened with Triller not paying these Black creators that you're then using with what you're doing now with Creator and, and what Group Black is doing in general with creators at the moment? Yeah, so, you know, I, uh, I, I've, I, I haven't been following the Triller saga that closely. What I will say is that Group Black is focused on, so I personally am focused on the work that we're doing with Crater. And with Crater, our mission at Crater is to change the landscape for them by unlocking more value for them than ever before. And we believe that the way to do that is twofold. One, Creator's... Um, neat. one of the things that we learned, so we did a multi-month uh, deep dive into the needs of creators, focus groups, also, I mean, also the whole nine yards, right? Um, to understand the needs of creators. And what we, what we learned was that it, they, they needed to collaborate, right? A lot of creators wanted the ability to collaborate and launch bigger ideas, bigger concepts, bigger opportunities. We learned that the average creator makes less than $50,000 a year, and it's even worse for um, black creators, which make, makes 35% less than their counterparts. And, you know, when you think about the way that brands and brands interact with creators, one, they're experiencing burnout, 91% of them were, and 71% of them wanted to quit. And if you think about that, it's because, you know, what we have is a creator who spends time building their audiences authentically. And then the way brands expect to work with creators, and I said this at Forbes CMO Summit a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know, I think marketers, for the most part, are not good at working with creators. Like, I just, 
I just don't think so. Like I've, I've seen the way a lot of folks approach it. And it's like, you have a person who knows authentically how to connect with their audiences, but you, when we brief them, you say here, I want you to hold up my can or highlight, highlight my product in a way that's a little strange, right? But what, if you really dig into it, most creators have large, big culture moving ideas, right? they fall into the same issues that you see elsewhere, which is they don't have the capital to be able to bring them to life. So brands are able to, to do that. For example, Dale Moss, uh, Dale Moss, he is a creator, um, really great to area in fitness and a lot of things actually. Um, but he has a, he, he's creating a documentary for the special Olympics, right? Well, let's fund that. Like, I want to see that come to life, you know? And so, and a brand could be a part of that, right? So there's so many powerful ways to work with creators that are big and creative and res that has resonance, but we don't tend to do that today, which we want to see a lot more of with creator. Okay. So that'll be another one for us to follow up on. Yeah. So we've talked investment, we've talked infrastructure. Now let's talk access. So as you mentioned, Group Black launched with a you know, pledge from Group M to spend $75 million with Black-owned media properties. And then I think it was earlier this year, you all got P&G to make a nine-figure pledge. You've gotten, would you say, more than $500 million committed from advertisers to invest in Black-owned media companies? Correct. And you've set the, I think Group Black launched with the goal of more than $500 million deployed by the end of 2022. So deployed's a little bit different than pledge. Pledge, money can be pledged, but then not spent for like years later. Where have you reached that goal of 500 million deployed by the end of this year? So we haven't come out with our numbers today. Um, and, you know, we, 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 we have gone back and forth around thinking about how, to, how we would go about that. But the number that we are, uh, we, we do talk about is where brands are on, where, with their commitments and how much they've committed today in that journey. And, you know, there's, there's, and here's one thing I've seen before, and I've had this conversation with brands. They're like, why do I commit? I've seen in our data, brands and agencies that make commitments have spent more than brands that haven't, right? So, whether they've gone past their commitment, whether they've been behind on their commitment, directionally, brands that have committed do better than brands that have not. Why? The reason why is because it creates alignment. It, it signals to the organization that the organization has alignment around making a difference here. And so therefore, when it when you start moving down through the kind of you know, through the organization, there's less friction. When an organization hasn't committed and said this is important, you do not see that quick, the same level of quickness or eagerness to get something done. It's not, this is not supposition, this is empirical from our perspective, because we see that. And so everybody, and, and, and look, I think the reason why we, we haven't, we don't report on deployment is because we don't want, we want to give brands, it's actually for the benefit of brands and agencies, right? It's how's that? It's for the benefit of brands and agencies because people are have some companies are better equipped and their organizations are 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 faster moving than others, right? 
And actually some, and, 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 and that's okay. Some, I've had honest conversations with some leaders where like, actually, I didn't realize my organization wasn't as ready, like to, to do things as we initially thought. And so, you know, we, again, we are, we group black, we, we, we've been kind of anointed as a trusted partner for a lot of executives in the industry because we help them through that journey. And so we don't want to start putting a a grade on everyone, right? Like that, because I don't think that's the right, the most, you know, the right way to go about it and drive the type of of progress we want to see. But what I do want to see is brands and agencies making the commitment because I know for a fact empirically that it makes a difference. So then why did you all set that goal to deploy 500 million by the end of 2022? When you, when you start a business, you make goals. (laughs) So but you were public I, about it. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we, 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 we set that out in the beginning and then we decided and look, we as a business have decided what type of information we're going to make available and what we're not. Um, we're making our, we're, what, what we have, do talk about because we want to make sure that we, if somebody does make a commitment, we want to, we, we will talk about those. Uh, and then, you know, we're, 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 we're monitoring progress along the way. And that's our role in the industry to make sure that we have, um, it's our, it's our role to make sure that we have the ability to, um, uh, work with folks along those commitments, get more people to commit and ultimately do our, the best that we can do to help the industry overall drive more investment in, in this community. Got it. I want to hear more about that work of, you know, driving the progress, kind of like ensuring that follow through. We had Mark Prince from Dentsu on the podcast in August. Um, And at that time, like he's, you know, charged with making sure that uh, I think specifically black owned media companies have a seat at the table when Dentsu and Dentsu's clients are kind of putting together their budgets. And and we were talking right before budget planning season for Dentsu's clients. um, And one thing that he was really looking towards is making sure that there's a seat at the table for black owned media companies when advertisers are putting together their budgets. And he made the point it's important for that money to get earmarked in the budget planning process, because if we wait to try to get that money allocated during the year, that's going to be a lot harder to do. And so you, as you mentioned, like you've been able to get advertisers like P&G agencies like Group M to make these commitments. What's the work in um, following up on those commitments, ensuring that there's follow through on the commitments? Yeah, so... You know, we have the same role um, in making sure that, like with anything, right? A commitment's made, you have to build the plans, build, provide the opportunities, provide the ideas. You have to do every single thing that actually makes the commitments deliverable. Um, and so that's the work that we do every single day. Um, and that's why we built various kind of groups at Group Black that, like work across all those different disciplines. So, um, we, 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 we work with brands at that capacity across the board. Um, you know, we, one thing that we don't do like group black at the end of the day is not playing judge. Like, okay, you, it's so funny. Cause I think people think that we, we say, Hey, you know, we're going to move $10. We're choosing say $10 goes here. $10 goes there. At the end of the day, it's our responsibility to make sure that everybody has the opportunity. But at the same time, it's, you know, 
these entrepreneurs have to be entrepreneurs and they have to win, win business at the same time. So um, our goal is to make sure we're providing the playing field and the environment and, the, and, 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 and filling the gaps and all of those things so that as much money that can move to the collective as possible happens. Got it. And, and you'd mentioned earlier on, and I kind of like uh, earmarked it for later, later is now, um, that there like are still obstacles to getting, the, you know, the advertisers to be spending that money. Like those obstacles, folks in the audience, like may be aware of them, but what do you see as like the foremost obstacles or the obstacles that are most urgent to tackle at the moment when it comes to that money? So there's a very... Um, there's an education issue around and and a, a education perception maybe they're the same thing around uh, black owned media so if you look at as and this is actually one of byron allen's biggest arguments right which is you know he's a, a black entrepreneur but the only opportunities he he sees are like i mean he's he's managed via like a you know multicultural um agencies or things like that right which inherently have smaller budgets right than 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 you know quote unquote you know non multicultural or quote unquote general market which i don't think that's the right term anymore um so you have this situation where because you are a black founder, when you walk through the door, people limit your opportunities right away. Even if you could compete with other comparable media companies for the larger dollars that don't just target the black community. That's actually a bigger issue than people realize, right? Because it all, and in certain areas, in certain places I realized it's so limiting where they people don't want you they don't send you the briefs or they don't even like look like allow you to submit for it because they don't think that you're able to reach broader audiences so there's this kind of like mass like barrier kind of thing that we and, and that's why I'm, you probably heard me say before it's not um about uh, black owned and black targeted are just different things right i have some you know like pod media reach tv like these are awesome, awesome brands in our collective. They could reach anybody, right? They're just black owned, but they could reach anybody. So they shouldn't be given briefs that only specify them reaching that specific community. That that's a big issue, and I think um, if you keep going, and then and then there's a there's kind of you go down the line, and it's kind of like the standard, you know, um, things that you will go through, like like price and value, right? Um, you would be shocked that people think that they should pay less for black owned media, right? And you're like, well, why on earth do you think so? Right? Like, and if you, if you, if you compress prices, how are they, if you compress margins, how are you supposed to invest in growing your own business? Right? There's things like payment terms, like you don't pay for six months. Well, how is a small business supposed to deal with that? So I, you know, we, we're tackling, and this is what I'm saying, like we as a, we as a, a organization, it's interesting, we are a business, right? But we also advocate on behalf of the community, probably more so than anyone out there. And, you know, we've been quite visible in the marketplace, but we, we and we, we've kind of shown up on 
in the most significant venues with our messages because we believe that it's important for someone to, if we're going to actually change the, the narrative at the right levels. And I imagine that gets made even more important or important maybe in a different way right now where obviously like we're in an economic downturn. There's been an advertising slowdown as a result of that. There's been too many stories of media layoffs. I mean, you know, we're talking right now, BuzzFeed announced this morning they're laying off 12% of employees and they attributed that to the advertising slowdown. How have you all at Group Black adjusted or are working to, you know, adjust to this advertising slowdown? Because I think like one of the concerns, you know, when there is an advertising slowdown is what is this due to something like the DEI commitments that advertisers have made? If the advertisers are pulling back budgets, where are they going to be pulling back budgets from? And DEI being, you know, con- a concern of one area where they'll pull budget. So you could imagine that I made that my prerogative to understand that. Um, so a couple things. I will tell you what I believe and then I'll tell you what I know. So what I believe is there is such a supply and demand mismatch and you know we're such at the level of investment today is so small, right? We're still under 1% that to cut from this, you're going to cut your 1% buys with this community, right? Like that doesn't seem like the answer, right? And I've had conversations with folks as to why. Um, Now, what we've, what I've spent a lot of time doing is talking to a lot of marketers and agencies about, well, what, you know, what happens to these commitments? And what we found is that in, 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 the commitments are not going away, right? Say if a brand, if a brand made, say if a brand made a 2% commitment, if their budgets went from, you know, a billion dollars to 900 million, well, they're still keeping their 2% commitment, right? And if the spend today is 0.5%, like the supply, the, 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 where it is today and the commitment levels, there's such a dis- supply demand mismatch that I still expect to see growth uh, in the category overall. So I don't, the commitments aren't going away as a result of a, a downturn. It might be, you know, 2% of 900 versus 2% of a billion, but that should, that, you know, that shouldn't, where we are today is so far below that, where we should still see brands increasing their overall spend in this category overall. So that money's safe. Unless something changed, but like I, I you know, my perspective is that it is. Got now, and then, well, the so, commitment, yeah. but like you still need to make sure that there's the follow through. So, you know, which is, I mean, that's always the case. Um, the follow through is always the hardest part. It's, I've, I think it was, I was in like middle school and my pop told me, um, you know, it's one thing to get on top, but the hard thing is to stay on top. And it's similar you know, there, of, you know, that follow through is the hard thing. Getting the commitment is hard. Keeping the commitment. That's another thing. Um, we talked about how, you know, Group Black has, you know, grown and evolved since its launch. I mean, you've evolved a good amount in just a year and a half. Looking ahead to 2023, we, we talked a little bit, you can only, you can only talk so much about what may be in store for Group Black, but what should folks expect in terms of what the priorities are for Group Black next year? Um, so I don't think our priorities 
are going to change. I think the mission is still to put money in the pockets of this community, right? I think what you will see is a progress towards our mission, right? Our mission is all it is and remains to dramatically transform the face of media ownership and investment. And our actions and our the things that we do is a manifestation or a realization of that vision, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, look, we at Group Black are very passionate and motivated individuals because we get up every single day and the work that we do um, makes us proud, right? We, we, you know, we walk, I mean, I remember walking in, in, in France after our, our, the work that we did in Cannes and people walked up to us saying, thank you, I feel heard, right? And, you know, being in, in different venues and, and the level of excitement when people run up, when you're wearing a group black t-shirt and people running up to you just saying, I love what you do and what you guys stand for. That stuff is, it, it's because of the hard work that we do every single day against that mission. And so my hope is that you see us make bigger and bigger strides to driving the inclusion age that I mentioned. Um, and look, you know, we called our initiative when we launched first of its kind, right? And, and we hope that, that it's first of its kind, but it's not last of its kind. And that we will feel like we've achieved our mission when we're no longer necessary. And that's the goal. I think that's a good note to wrap it on. Travis, thanks for coming on the show. Really enjoyed talking with you. Tim, thank you. This has been a great conversation and uh, looking forward to next year. And thank you for listening to the Digiday Podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode.